0: This is episode three with Australian fast bowler, Nathan Coulter-Nile. Welcome to the Process of Success podcast. My name is Tom Scolay, former professional cricketer, now athlete, mentor and online entrepreneur. Each week, we're going to discuss what it takes to achieve success so that you can use the tips, techniques and tactics to become your best. Whether it's sport, business, music, relationships, or anything else, this is an insight into the minds and lives of some of the world's most successful people. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now, let's get into today's episode. I'm really excited about this interview with Nathan Coulter Nile, as I think it gives you guys a huge amount of value. Coulter Nile has played 2020 and one day international cricket for Australia and has starred in the IPL over the last few years but his successes haven't come easy. He's been injured for a huge part of his career and has had to continually pick himself up and start again in this episode we discuss how he found out he had a rookie contract with Western Australia the conversation that sparked something within him to change how he went about his cricket how he's dealt with all the injury and setbacks over the years what it's like to play in the IPL what he does to switch off and get away from the game, what his routine is like in between balls, plus a whole lot more. This is an awesome episode, so let's get into it. G'day guys, welcome to the Process of Success podcast. We're here, episode three, with Australian and Western Australian fast bowler, Nathan Coults. Coults, thanks very much for taking some time to join us. No worries. Um, now, I'd like to start these interviews um, by to- uh, taking you back to your childhood to get a picture of what that was like. Um, you were born in Perth. Yep, yep. And where where did you grow up?
1: Uh, so I moved to sorry, mate, moved to Port Hedland. Uh, it would have been year two, I think. So I grew up. You know, I went to yeah, went to Port Hedland year two, then came back to boarding school year eight down here at Aquinas. So I spent most of my time growing up in the uh, the dust bowls up there.
0: Nice. And and what's your earliest memory of playing cricket? Oh,
1: it would be definitely in the backyard, actually. Um, I used to have a little uh, it's the Don Bradman style, except that I had you know just a wall and a cricket bat. Didn't have any uh, brothers at the time, so I used to throw a cricket ball against the wall and smack it back, and then go fetch it. And it wasn't quite good enough to you know get a bit of a. Uh you know, get a repeat going so I had to fetch the ball every time like that, but that was, yeah, early age, year two, year three, that sort of stuff.
0: And then, so what age did you sort of get into competitive cricket and when did you start playing with mates at the nets or something?
1: Yeah, so you're always down the down the nets with the mates at school, because there wasn't much else to do, so you used to go down there and muck around, but like, I, I did probably didn't start playing seriously until I went to high school at Aquinas. there's um, always had a hit and google at school and stuff like that up, up north, but once I came down here, it, it got real serious real quick actually, so uh, that was probably when I started you know, playing probably for wins and wins and losses.
0: And who was your first
1: team? Uh, the 8Cs. Year 8Cs, Aquinas College. Um, we sort of put ourselves in our own team. Obviously coming to Aquinas I was bored and no one really knew anyone. So everyone sort of put themselves in their own team and I went to the 8Cs as a wicketkeeper batsman. <laughs> and uh, yeah, didn't really progress from there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did you start fastball?
1: Uh, so I... Played a bit of volleyball as well, so that sort of cricket went on the back burner for a little bit, but then in like year, end of year 10, start of year 11, I was bowling in the nets with a few of the boarders and uh, Luke Wimbridge uh, was coaching the Aquinas first at the time said, look, you've, you're probably not a bad bowler. Um, I was throwing them everywhere, but it was pretty quick. And uh, he said, look, come down, try out, see how you go. Uh, and that's probably where it, where it went from.
0: Yeah, and I, I um, remember my first encounter with you was at an under-17 national carnival quite a long time ago now in yeah. Adelaide. You were, uh, yeah, had a reputation as being really quick and us coming from the NT we were quite scared. Um, <laughs> how did you manage your sort of your volleyball and your um, cricket in that period when you were a teenager?
1: Yeah, I was I was really lucky. I uh, in year 11, my folks, my mum moved down to Perth actually to help me out with that sort of stuff because I just couldn't do it as a boarder. I couldn't get out to you know volleyball training after school uh, at night after school, and cricket was obviously during school hours. So I, 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 as a boarder, I couldn't really get anywhere unless I was taking buses, which was hectic. So she came down, um, you know, took took me everywhere, you know, drove me to volleyball at 7:30 at night, picked me up from cricket and the Saturday afternoon and stuff like that. Uh, so she was really good and. Uh, he really helped me manage, you know, both sports.
0: Yeah, awesome, and uh, as I said on <laughs> when the was on last week, shout out to all you parents out there who do great things <laughs> yeah. for us. Um, most athletes uh, wouldn't be where they are without the help and support of their parents, so thanks to all of you, Legends. So, when did you start to, like, really get into your cricket and think, okay, I, I really enjoy this, this is something I want to do.
1: Yeah, it was, it was probably about under-17s, like you said. Like, I d- hadn't really thought about it seriously. It was literally that same year that I took up cricket. Properly and uh, Greg Williams Diesel, I think under 17s coach came down uh, to the Al-Qantas, um training session and we had a bit of a hit and goo. I didn't realise at the time it was a, a trial, so to say, and he asked me to come down under 17s and I, you know, I was I didn't fi- feel out of depth and I was like, you know, I could probably I could probably have a crack at this. So you know, I kept going back to under 17s, under 19s and kept trying to uh, kept trying to improve myself. But it wasn't until uh, I was in England at the time playing for. a Playing for Appleby, a little uh, a little town in the in the Lakes District in Cumbria, yeah, Cumberland something like that. And uh, I got the phone call saying I got a rookie contract from from uh, who was the coach at the time? Lockie. no, nah, nah, much earlier than that. Wayne Clark. Wayne Clark, yeah. He said, off I didn't even know who he was. I thought he was taking the piss." I was like, "Good on you, mate." <laughs> I mean, England, some blokes rang me up out of the blue, but nah, it turned out I did have one, and that was. Yeah, it was forced upon me. I guess I thought, well, oh, I'm doing this now, so awesome. I might as well keep going.
0: And you played Australian 19s. Um, mm-hmm. Was that before the rookie
1: contract came? No, no, that was after. So I was rookie straight out of school, so I was rookie contracted at 17. Uh, played Aussie 19s the next year. I uh, didn't make the World Cup because I was I fell outside the World Cup year. But yeah. Um, yeah, that was good experience as well.
0: Awesome. Who were some of the big sort of players in that 19s? There was yeah, there was pretty good stable that year. No, you? it was
1: a shocking year, actually. We had one real good player by the name of Phil Hughes. Yeah. Um, he was uh, he was clearly better than everyone else, at, even at that age. But I don't think there's one bloke, right. except for me, uh, still playing first class cricket oh, at the wow. time. Yeah, I even went on to play first class cricket. Interesting.
0: Um, and now, did you ever get any one-on-one coaching in that time? Or was it all just sort of group stuff and learning yeah. as, as you
1: went? At that age, it was really, you know, a lot of group stuff, I didn't really think about one-on-one coaching and trying to get myself, you know, better or excel past anyone else because so it was just, you know, just still a bit of fun. I mean, it's under-19s, you're not thinking, I need, to, I need to be better than everyone else at that sort of stage. I was just thinking, you know, this is a bit of fun. So it was all group stuff, all net sessions, all just hanging with your mates.
0: Yeah, awesome. And you, you mentioned a big influence your mum had, but... Who were your mentors um, in your early cricket years and, and then who, who are your mentors now? Who do you go to for support and to, to chat to about your game, I suppose?
1: Yeah, look, I didn't have a lot of mentors, uh, you know, sort of someone you go speak to when I was younger, but I, I did have uh, some really experienced people in my grade team at the time, which was I was really lucky. I had Sean Marsh, you know, Brett Dorey, uh, those so- sorts of blokes, Sean Irvine, all, all on my grade team that I could didn't realise at the time, but were teaching me a lot about the game and about how to go about it on field. Um, so they're sort of the blokes that you learn off with grade cricket, you learn off your senior blokes, which I, at the time, didn't realise, but now you sort of really see the influence of that sort of stuff. Um, these days, I I do get on quite well with Justin Langer, I sort of bounce a lot of ideas off him. Um, he's always sort of, you know, a bit of a straight shooter, so he, he'll tell you what he thinks. Doesn't mean I always agree with him, but it, it is good to get, you know, sometimes the devil's advocate opinion.
0: Yeah, awesome. And um going back to that sort of um, time when you got your rookie contract, mm-hmm. how did you find then walking straight into a professional setup and sort of, <laughs> of thinking, holy holy crap, this is sort of what I'm doing now. And, and yep. you had the likes of Adam Voges and um, Mike Hussey was probably there yep. then, maybe even Gilly.
1: Yep. Some of these Damian Martin. Yeah, absolute yeah, gurus. How, yep. how did you find stepping into that environment? Yeah, I was a real naive 17-year-old. I was, yeah. I, I didn't think I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I didn't understand what it meant to be a professional cricketer and it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, you know, I was a fat little kid, my skinnies were a hundred, I weighed over a hundred kilos. All these, you know, fitness sessions were new to me and I had literally like blokes just said, like Gilly, Marto, Huss, like all these real hard trainers. Justin Langer was still playing, Marcus North. Um, we had a serious team, like Brad Williams, we had a real good team and uh, they must have just thought, who is this kid, like what, have, what has WA come to? Uh, it took me a long time to work out what, what professional cricket was and a lot of hard years in the training track.
0: Yeah, and if you can sort of give our, our listeners or viewers a bit of a, a, a picture, and it's obviously a little while ago now, how often were you training? How did you get your skinnies down? How did you sort of break that lazy or that un educated mould and become yeah. this sort of professional player?
1: Uh, it, it took a long time. Like, it took until probably early 20s, like 21, 22. Where, uh, I just, my skinnies were still high. They were 60. I thought they were good at the time. And uh, I think it was about time um, Justin Langer left the game. And I remember he was he was retiring. And he had a retirement speech. And I sort of went up to him and said, you know, I was probably had a half bottle of wine by then. And I was like, you know, well done, mate. Congratulations. on A great career. And uh, he just said, mate, you're fat, you're unfit, you're a good bowler, but you're never gonna make it if you don't, in, in these, you know, certain, you know, different words, but uh, he said, you're never gonna make it if you don't pull your head in and work out, you know, get, get fit, work a bit harder, work on your game. And I was sort of like, good on you, mate, whatever. And then it sort of hit home, it sunk in, you know, I was training, half-assing it, and I was like, no, nah, he, he's probably right. And from there, I switched on, trained a bit harder, you know, I was still probably not as fit as I could have been, but, I really worked on my game a lot better and I sort of got the rewards from there.
0: It's amazing that a little chat like that can have such an impact. Um, obviously you, you respected him so much. Um, Was that sort of before your first, you, you played for WA for the first time, you'd obviously been contracted at seven and you played at 22? 22, 22, yep. For the first time, was that before that or, yeah. or had you started playing and you were still sort of only half assing it sort of yeah. thing?
1: No, so I think I played a, one day, a couple one day games that year but then first class boo was the next year.
0: Yeah, awesome. And so, your work ethic then increased, and obviously you started paying a bit more attention to your your diet and your fitness and those sort of things. Yeah,
1: I, I think my work ethic around my game increased. Like I, I really worked on my game a bit harder, um, especially once I started playing because you learn so much when you're playing. Um, my, my I don't know. so it, my learning accelerated, my skill set accelerated more playing playing the game. Um, and then after a few injuries, I. I it's when I started to realise I need to work on my fitness.
0: Yeah, yeah, so important to be as fit as you can. Um, now, when you did start to play for WA, did you start mm-hmm. then thinking, okay, I could play for Australia here? Or was that never really a thought until you, you got closer? Or was that a goal from, from the very start? Where did that sort of playing for Australia or taking the next step come in in your life?
1: Yeah, it's not something you think about. You know, I didn't think about it anyway. It's not something like I wasn't completely driven to play for Australia I was, I was really driven to succeed for WA and I sort of in the back of my mind knew if I if I did well for WA and WA successful I'd, I'd get those opportunities and it wasn't really until T20 came along that uh, I sort of thought playing for Australia was uh, was a chance because it, it succeeded and it was obviously so new that Australia didn't have you know they didn't know who to pick it was still a bit of a test players didn't want to play it so it was still a bit of a hit and giggle for them so yeah, I. I sort of got my opportunity through T20, uh, did okay, and sort of just moved on from there.
0: Awesome. And and you you made your T20 debut um, for Australia in February 2013, and then your ODI debut for Australia in September 2013. Um, which I I heard the story where you were um, you were told at the last minute by yeah. Darren Lehmann. <laughs> yeah. How did you find the step up to international cricket? You'd obviously played a fair bit of um, uh, first class and domestic cricket in Australia before that.
1: Yep. I guess I didn't have much time to think about it when I got the call, uh, so I didn't really have to worry about it too much. I just went out there and bowled, which I think really helped me. Um, I just hit it. It was a w- wicket did a bit that day as well, so I didn't have to do too much. Um, we ended up losing them, but it's a really good experience. Something I don't really remember. Like I couldn't tell you. I remember my first wicket, but I couldn't tell you another ball that I bowled. Um, and I thought, you know, I bowled alright. Took one for thirty or ten or something like that, and I felt okay. I was like, it's not too hard. And then the next game, I think I bowled nine for 80 against India. Got absolutely smacked everywhere, thought I bowled all right. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty tough. This is pretty hard. And I've sort of th- seen through my international career, like stop started, it has been that as soon as I thought I was going all right, I'd, I'd just get absolutely taken down. So I just, I now try and just take it, I don't know, not one step at a time, but I really try and remember that the game comes back to buy, yeah.
0: Let's take a break from Colts for a minute and go back to our interview with my Melville teammate and former Australian legend, Adam Voges from last week.
1: I look at the way Steve Smith plays now and I've, having seen how he trains, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's the number one ranked batsman in the world at the moment. Um, he hits as many balls as I've ever seen a, a batsman hit at training. Um, and look, that's not for everyone. That's not everyone's cup of tea, but for him, he obviously needs that and that's what works for him and um, he's been incredibly, incredibly successful with that. But I think a work ethic and a confidence in your own ability are two of the things that every great player has.
0: Now let's get back to Colts. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I actually heard a story about um, JL and how he used to sort of tell himself how he wasn't feeling very good. Yeah, that so yeah. He'd never relax. Yeah. And do you think that that's what maybe you sort of subconsciously, you sort of thought, okay, I'm ready. I'm yeah. And you relax a little that's bit. That's
1: exactly right. You sort of just, you, take, you don't concentrate as much, you take your foot off the accelerator, right? Whatever it is, as soon as you sort of feel like, you know, I'm, I've made it, I'm here, you know, I can do this. Like you just, you just bulb not very well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now on that, um, we, we get contacted a lot by sort of young players and they they sort of talk about how do you deal with coming back from a bad performance? Obviously you had your good start and your second ODI, you've, you've not, probably not done as well as you would have liked, even though you, you sort of thought you bowled well, but. How did you bounce back from that? or how, oh, Throughout your career, when you've not gone as well as you liked, and, and as a cricketer, we know we have a lot of bad days. How have you bounced back from them?
1: I think that's just it. As a cricketer, you have a lot of bad days. I think, you know, you have 90% bad days and 10% good days, but those 10% good days are really what get you going again. Um, it's not so much about bouncing back. I, I've, found, I've worked out really early on that, especially through playing T20, it doesn't matter how you, uh, it doesn't matter how you bob, it doesn't matter how you perform as long as you do everything you can to make sure you're ready to go for that day. So if, if I feel like I've prepared well, um, you know, I've done everything I can off field, I've trained well, I've, I've done everything right, I've slept well, I'm, I'm focused, I'm concentrating, and I, and I still get smacked around, I still have a bad day, um, I drop a catch, as long as I feel like I've prepared, I, I don't feel too bad, I know that next day it's gonna be okay, I'm gonna buy well, I'll probably hit a full toss to cover or something like that. Um, so but if I hadn't if I hadn't done the work and I hadn't sort of Done my homework i'm not concentrating that's when you sort of beat yourself up you're like no like i said you feel like you switched on come back make sure you're concentrating make sure you do all the work beforehand and uh, let the game take care of itself
0: i think that's such an amazing little insight um, that everyone should really note down is about Um, It's something we try and sort of work with with our cricketers, is about get your preparation right and then trust yourself and trust whatever happens, happens. Something I I sort of um, read in Tim Cahill's book, it's the same mantra, he he works his ass off and gets himself ready and then when it's game time he just says whatever happens, happens and like you say, if you have a bad day, so be it, you don't beat yourself up for it. So that's a great little insight, thanks for sharing that. Now, you've been close to test selection a few times, um, 12th man a number of times and um, if it wasn't for injuries, um, which we'll get onto shortly, you are—you uh, no doubt played a bit of test cricket by now. But it must have been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions over the years, where you've been really close, um, and then you're out of the team or you're out of the squad, where either through um, someone else being brought back in or, or maybe injuries. How did? What were those experiences like, and how did you deal with that roller coaster of emotions? I suppose.
1: Yeah, I guess early on, I, I was twelfth man a lot. I mean, even through the. Uh, Ashes where we beat them five nil here. I was I was tough man for all those games, but I never really felt close. Never really felt like I was almost in the team, um, mainly because you know the bowlers above me were unbelievable. Mitchell Johnson, Ryan Harris, Peter Siddle. I mean they're all pretty good, so I never really felt like I was in the mix. And it wasn't until um, probably a little bit re- more recent, um, you know, the last Ashes, maybe the South African series before that, uh, Sri Lanka series before that, I really felt like I was I was close. I felt like I could probably be picking I could probably play this game. That I, I took a hit when I got injured and I got dropped out of the squad. Um it's not it's not something you because I didn't get there, I don't feel like I reached those sort of highs where it wasn't such a bit of a fall. Um, but it plays in my mind now a little bit, you know, especially now it's probably getting a little bit past it. It's only 30. Red Bull cricket's pretty hard, you sort of start to think, oh, what if and stuff like that, but it's not something I dwell on. Um, I had I'm pretty happy with where my career's at and how how it's gone. I've been pretty privileged to play for Australia so it's not something I'm terribly um upset about
0: yeah well 40 um, times i think you've represented australian ball cricket something to be very proud of um something not many people can say they've done so yeah hopefully you do get that opportunity (laughs) to test cricket but if it doesn't come you should still be very proud um now what we're going to talk about injuries which is obviously a tough thing for you you've been through more than your fair share of injuries you've you've sort of got yourself fit done really well been picked in in um, higher honours and then found yourself injured again through no fault of your own but um there's obviously an, a huge amount of anger and frustration that happens initially how do you overcome that and then sort of push forward to, to get back into your rehab i suppose
1: yeah i think it depends on the type of injury uh soft tissue injuries are incredibly frustrating because you you can prevent them like you can be if i had been fit when i was younger and not had hamstring injuries early i could have prevented those injuries happening later in life but that They frustrate me a little bit, but a stress fracture when you're 29, 30, uh, like I, I probably couldn't do anything about that, that just happens. So um, it's, it's hard, <laughs> it is hard to sort of, especially when you have a stress fracture, it's 12 months layoff, um, what do you do to try and get up and get back for that? You just got to, you've reset your goals, refocus on something that's that's coming up. So, you know, my, I did stress fracture in Sri Lanka. I knew I was out for 12 months, I figured next Australian tour is England. Just start the IPL, use the IPL as a springboard to get back into that team, and then you just work your ass off trying to get to IPL, um, which is really all I do. I, I set my, I set my you know goals ahead to whatever I can see coming up that I can that I can play, and then everything's just as hard as I can leading up, you know, trying to get ready for that. Yeah,
0: awesome. So it's so important to have to have goals and. a You got to have a
1: goalpost. Yeah, yeah. I find if I don't have anything, like right now, I'm literally got nothing until. Next next season, you know, October to October, and it's it's really hard to get motivated, to train, especially when all the boys sort of, you know, finishing the season, going into pre off season and stuff like that, going on trips. So you know, you really got to have something clearly in your mind to, to push you.
0: Yeah. Um, now, as a professional sportsman, it's it's really important um, to have good people around you, and no more so than when you're injured. Who's helped you in your tough times, and sort of obviously the whacker is an environment for, you, for your, your profession, but you've obviously got to have people outside of that that have, that have helped you as well.
1: Yeah, obviously family a really big one. Um, I was really lucky that my uh, partner Shaney's been outstanding for me. I've sort of been, since we've been together, I've pretty much been injured for the whole thing. And, uh, you know, through all the, the dark periods where you don't want to do it anymore, you don't want to get up and go for your run, you don't want to go to training, you don't want to see these people you have to see every day. Um, she's sort of you know helped me out made me feel better sort of got me out of bed um also my daughter she uh, she doesn't really care about cricket so she's uh she lo- she loves me no matter what so there's the sort of things that get me through i mean not everyone has family like that like you know but um you you definitely need someone around you someone close if it's a best friend your mum your sister anything you need someone just to to get you out of bed and, you know not worry about cricket there's there's other things in life other than you know hurting your back in cricket
0: absolutely well said um now, how how have you passed your time throughout your injuries? Obviously, you're not going away and you're not playing um, as much. There's no travel involved. So h- how do you sort of spend your time? There's obviously a lot of rehab involved. You go into the wacker for that. But yeah. what other sort of things do you do to take yourself out away from the game and, and sort of pass your time, I suppose?
1: Yep, I love my red wine, actually. So I, uh, I get down to Margaret River a fair bit. Uh, I love it down there. I can't wait to live down there as soon as I get an opportunity. Um, and that really really chills me out you know it's, it's quiet there's a bit of surf a bit of, bit of sun um, so yeah that's what I do I try and get away I listen to a lot of music re- try and read as much as possible I haven't read a book in a while but um, just something to take you away from from cricket yeah. which can you know take up take up a lot of time so find anything that, that really maybe don't read an autobiography about Steve Waugh maybe you know read a fantasy or a sci-fi book or something like that go get away from cricket go to a country that doesn't doesn't even play cricket, you know. You learn about different cultures. Just get get yourself away from it.
0: Yeah, awesome. And in your day-to-day, sort of the last few weeks, let's say while you've been uh, rehabbing, is it a couple of hours a day at the wacker doing doing stuff to sort of strengthen the back, or, yeah. or how does that actually look?
1: Yeah, it's flat stick. Uh, as soon as you're in a rehab, you do you're doing as much as possible. So it's it's a bit of it's a bit of a process. You you start. Whatever, just I'll use my back as an example. So you'll go in and uh, you can't run, you can't sort of do anything. So you sit on a bike for you know an hour and a half a day, get your get your um, your calorie intake down, and then uh, once you can sort of start weights again, you incorporate that, plus your bike, and then you can sort of start running, plus your bike, plus your weights. And these sessions could take you know up to four hours. I was now now I'm at least running and gymming. It takes at least three hours a day. Plus, you do an extra. I do an extra run on top of that, just to try and top up. So it's it's easily a four or five hours out of your day, of actual training, let alone the rest period in between that. So it takes up your whole day.
0: And is there physio or massage or other things? Yeah, look, well?
1: there, there is physio available. I hate sitting on the physio bench, so I, I try and stay away from that as much as possible. Unless I absolutely need to. Um, yeah, when you're on the physio bench, usually it means you're injured or you're sore. So I just mentally just try and stay away from it. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's all sorts of recovery—pool recovery, pool recovery uh, beach recovery, stretching. We do a lot of Pilates. Um, yeah, anything you can sort of think of to try and help you out—yoga. Um, we, we do it. Anything to sort of give you that edge.
0: Yeah, it's still that sort of full-time thing to, to ma- maintain your body and try and get it back to fitness. It's not a—it's it, not a holiday or a rest at all, is it?
1: It's not. It, being in rehab's the hardest. Like when you're playing, you know, you go to the nets, you have a hit, you have a bowl, go home. I mean, I'm there before. The nets start and I'm there after the nets finish and I'm still going. So rehab's not a fun place to be. In. It's yeah. also very lonely. You're generally only there with yourself or another bloke. So
0: yeah. Uh, good on you for getting through that so many times, mate. Now, <laughs> have you done any form of meditation or mental practice to stimulate yourself or motivate yourself <sighs> throughout your sort of tough times?
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I've I f- meditation is a bit of a uh, it, can, it can take a lot of forms. So I find my meditation is when I get when I get away. Yeah. When I go to Margaret River, um, you know, I'm sitting on the beach by myself looking at the stars, that that for me is my sort of meditation. I stand to myself, um, I get away from it, I refresh, which is what I find is my meditation. A lot of people, you know, do their, Ten minutes a day and that sort of stuff. They're breathing. with their yoga. It's something like that. Some people go for a run for their meditation. I don't think. I think meditation's given a bad a bad name because everyone thinks you got to sort of sit down and, in a weird pose. But it's not. Meditation just about turning your brain off for a little bit. You know, go for a surf. Go for a run. That's just. You know, it's just about stop stopping your brain working for a little bit so I, I do that as much as possible yeah
0: absolutely that's something again we encourage our athletes and i think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there it doesn't have to be one form it can be be anything just to, to yourself off and relax now you just mentioned about you've got nothing to sort of um work towards at the moment mm-hmm. which is really sort of unfortunate as you were due to go to the was it the um chat royal challenges bangalore in this year's IPL. yep yep um sorry to hear about that but You've been to the IPL numerous times now. I think you've been with Delhi, Kolkata, and Mumbai. Yep. Um, can you give us a bit of a, a snapshot, an idea of what the IPLs like and uh, how you found that?
1: Yeah, it's it is hectic. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know if you know about India, but India's hectic as it is. But imagine that with you know throwing Sachin Tendulkar on your bus as well, and then imagine these pe- Oh, I don't know. How, I don't know how to describe anything other than hectic. But. Yeah. Um, the playing schedule is hectic. I think you play 18 games in a month or something like that. Travelling every game for that. Uh, it's everything's in excess. You know, these you stay at five-star hotels. You got to do player appearances every second day. Um, yeah, you, you, like I said, you're sitting in the likes of Sachin Tendulkar, Ricky Ponting, my first team. You know, Rohit Sharma, Habajan Singh. Uh, yeah, Anil Kumbla, These these sorts of blokes sitting on your bus. Um, everything, yeah, you don't get a time to take, take a break. Yeah. Um, and the sort of money that's thrown around over there is ridiculous as well. There's blokes getting paid a million dollars for a month's work. Um, Chris Lindis went for 1.8, you can't even throw a ball, you know. Like it's just, everything's just excess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's, re- it's really hard. Like, people see people going for, you know, uh, AJ Tyler went for 1.5, or whatever it is, and people think, you know, how's he getting paid that sort of money Bowler cricket ball. It, you, I promise you, you earn it. Yep. You really earn your cash for what they what they make you go through over there.
0: Awesome. Now, um, with the with the big money, obviously comes pressure and expectation. Yep. And with huge following and huge number of people watching, how do you? How have you managed that expectation in the IPL and the screaming fans and the owners sitting there and all sorts, how have you done yeah,
1: that? I think I've been really lucky as I've always been sort of a backup for someone whenever I've gone to IPL and just ended up playing because that whoever's ahead of me is got injured or is not performing. So they, they never really expected too much from me. Um, so I, I was really lucky in that sense that I've always sort of performed in the IPL as well. I've never really had um, a bad season. So I've, I've got injured a couple of times, which has hurt me a little bit, but um, I've been a little bit lucky in the sense that I know players who have gone over there for like a million dollars, like you said, and they're not even performing badly. They're taking, you know, two for thirty off their four, but because they're getting paid a million bucks, the owners, who, you know, rightly or wrongly, have a lot of say in the in the game, will put a lot of pressure on that on that um, on the team coach to pick someone else because they're paying him a million dollars. They want more more out of him. So you know, when that sort of stuff starts to happen, that you start to doubt. Why are you there, and you know what, what you're doing and stuff like that. So I, I've never experienced it personally, but I know it could be, I can be, a very daunting place.
0: Yeah, and do you think you your success comes because personally you weren't putting too much expectation on yourself?
1: Oh, I don't know if that's what it comes from, but I definitely don't put any expectations on myself over there. Um, I just go out there, literally free, free mind, free spirit, and just play cricket. If it if it doesn't happen, like I said, it's for me, it's it's an extra it's not something i set myself to i want to play for australian wa going to ipl it's good fun and you get paid well but it's not something i you know i can can live without it
0: awesome now you just touched on playing with a free mind free spirit what i'm obviously not a fast bowler i bowl a little bit of um, part time (laughs) spin but as um, a batting coach i talk a lot about um, having a pre-ball routine and sort of switching on and switching off Um, what do you do or do you have a mental routine to switch on and switch off what do you do when you've bowled the ball and you're walking back and then what do you do when you get to the top of your mark and how does that process look, work and what does it look like?
1: Yeah, so you hear a lot of people talk about um, when they're bowling well, they're not thinking about anything and I find that, that just really annoys me because <laughs> to get to that space is really hard. To get to a space where you're just running in, the ball's coming out well, it's really hard, sorry. Um, so I find a, r- a routine for me works a little bit better and it's not a routine where I stand at the top of my mark and. Touch my leg and like Steve Smith smacking his pads or anything like that. I I, I literally just make sure I'm concentrating when I before I run to bowl. So I want to know what I'm bowling, and then when I've set my mind to that, I know if I'm looking at the spot that I'm concentrating. As soon as I drift away and I look at the batsman or I'm not looking at the spot, ball starts going everywhere, and I sort of know to myself I'm not I'm not switched on. So um, is
0: that a spot on the wicket?
1: Wherever I want to bowl it, yeah. So I, a lot of people look at off stump alone to try and bowl, but I'm if. Usually, when you, even when you're throwing or when you're driving or anything like that, where you look is generally where you go. So if I know I'm looking at a spot, and sometimes it helps when there's cracks and stuff in the wood because you can really hone in on a spot, and I find as soon as, if I know, if sorry, if I'm looking at the spot, I know I'm generally going to hit it.
0: Awesome, and then the ball's been bowled. Do you do a little bit of analysis or do you just sort of relax or say something? Like as batters, we sort of talk a bit about playing a song in your head Sort of switch on, switch off. Yeah. What do you do after the ball's been bowled generally?
1: Glen McGrath was going for that. He said if he's singing a song, he knew he switched on. But like, I, I'm off completely. Like um, uh, early on, you might get a feel for the feel for the wicket, feel for the ball, and like, no, uh, it's got to be a bit fuller, a little bit shorter. But once you're into your rhythm, it's I'm um, just off, off completely. I buy my ball, switched on. Look at my spot. As soon as I've let it go, just completely off. Just walk back to your mark, have a chat to mid off. I like having like having someone funny at Midoff, actually. Like um, Hilton Cartwright's good at Midoff, because he's he's a bit of an idiot yeah. <laughs> so he's good to have that he switches you off calms you down um, especially when you get quite fired up mm-hmm. it's good to have someone just to bring you back down
0: yeah awesome and now give us a, an insight into your preparation let's say you're you're sort of over in the IPO you've just mentioned the hectic schedule okay. what is that sort of how do you prepare um is there much training um or is it all just stuff done pre-game or how do how does the sort of your it happened there and then also tell us about what you do here in Australia. Yeah,
1: it's, it's quite different. IPL there's not much preparation, there's not much training um, because it's such a hectic schedule. I think you play every sort of day and travel. So that's just rock up to a game, play, forget about it. Next game, play. So there's not a lot of, that goes into that. Um, you don't do much analysis either because that's all done outside um, by the coaches and caps and stuff like that. So it's really just rock up and play. A little bit different here um, for WA in Australia. There's a lot of analysis that goes into each each team, each player, matchups, ups who, who bowls well to who, and stuff like that. So you sit down for a couple of hours before each game and sort that out, uh, and then you'll go to training, and you'll train for that particular game. That's This is a few days out, you know, as, as early as you can. And then uh, before the game, it's literally, get your wrist right, I, bowl, I might bowl an over. I uh, feel like it's coming out well. Go recover off physio. Um, ice bar, stuff like that, make sure I'm fresh, ready to go. Um, but all the work's sort of done as early as possible, leading into the next game.
0: So you just bought my by one over in warm-ups, so that's enough?
1: Warm-up for the day before.
0: Oh, so the day of the game?
1: Day of the game, yeah, I'll, I always get there early. I'm always first to arrive. I like to just be relaxed, I don't like to stress out, go look at the wicket, have a coffee, have a water, get rehydrated after my coffee, and then, uh, yeah, it's it's, Generally, team warm up, so you know, run through stuff like that. Toss will go up. Um, Batting is always the best day. Go sit down, do nothing. <laughs> uh, bowling, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't bowl too much. I'll bowl off a couple steps, get my wrist right, and then get off the full run. Bowl until I feel like I'm I'm ready to go for my first ball. Don't want to be warming up my first ball. Um, and then, yeah, that's that it.
0: So it's not a certain number, it's a feel thing?
1: It's a feel thing. If I have to bowl six overs to feel like I'm ready to go, I'll bowl six overs. And um, if I have to bowl three balls, I bowl three balls.
0: Excellent. I think that comes back to knowing yourself, knowing what you need. and A yep. lot of people don't. They try and follow what someone else does. So, um, Now, you've mentioned Ponting, um, Tendulkar, Rohit, um, who you shared. We were in the same team, same dressing room with. What are some things you've learned from some of these best players, some of the best players ever to play cricket?
1: Yeah. Well, oh, it's it's different. It's different because I see someone like Tendulkar who hit, you know, maybe face bowlers for like, half an hour and then go hit a few balls and be done. Then I'll see a bloke like Steve Smith who will hit for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, it, which is easy for batting, I guess, because you can really re- repeat, repeat and repeat uh, and do that sort of stuff. When you're bowling, I think it's really important to get the most out of every ball you bowl, because you obviously can't bowl. For hours and hours, you'll break down. Um, and every bowler goes about it differently. Um, I, know, I don't know if anyone knows Michael Hogan, used to played for WA, fantastic bowler used to bowl until you got it right. If that took two hours, it took two hours. Um, when blokes like Ryan Harris, get his wrist right, be bowling beautifully, sheds, you know, so I think it's really, uh, it's really individual about how, how you how you go about getting the best out of yourself. As long as every, every time you go to do it, you're doing it with purpose. You know, Steve Smith hits for hours and hours, but he's not just out there hitting balls because he likes hitting balls. He's out there working on something. Um, same with Hogues, working on something. It's a lot of a feel thing. When you feel like you're good, Generally, that's when you want to keep going. I feel, so you want to really groove that that mentality. So if I'm feeling good, I'll I, I'll, I'll stop. But, I mean, I'll bowl as much as I need to get to there. Yeah, awesome.
0: Now, um, something that's common amongst the world's best cricketers and people of all industries is sort of their having good habits and routines. Do yep. you have any sort of daily or weekly habits or routines? You sort of have a morning routine or. Nighttime routine? Anything that you do on a regular basis?
1: Uh, when I'm playing, it's a little bit different. When I'm playing, I, I always like to uh, be early for anything, so that's sort of my routine is just to make sure I'm there on, you know, with heaps of time. I don't, I'll, I'll make sure. I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a routine, but I'm there early and I make sure everything's ready. You know, I don't want to have to get there and be not have my shoes spiked up or anything like that. So. I get to the ground um, real early, make sure my shoes are ready to go, make sure my bag's packed, make sure I've got everything. Um, so I don't know if that's so much of a routine, but it's just, I like to be prepared. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any superstitions or things I'll go through every day, or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And just going back to your sort of pre-game or your training preparation, um, how do you find switching between formats, um, saying 2020, yeah. um, one week and then the next week might be back into, into red ball, four-day cricket. How have you found that? And and do you change your preparation? Do you bowl a lot more Yorkers when you know you're in white ball and, and then you go back to hitting length? How does this sort of shift between formats go?
1: Yeah, I, I find it really hard, actually, uh, especially going from red ball to white ball, which is what you see a lot in the Australian summer if you're playing for Australia. So I'd be 12th man for a test team and then uh, go back into the big bash and have to play big bash. And I've found it. Yeah, really odd that I'd be bowling just length, length, you know, bowling 12 overs in the nets and then go to Big Bash game and have to bowl 12 Yorkers out of my 24 balls. Um, it's it's something that I, I find difficult to do, but something that happens every year. So, I mean, if someone can perfect a way to do it, then I mean, they're probably onto something. But uh, it, it's just, it's the same skill though, you know? Like it's hitting a length and hitting a Yorker is the same skill. Like you don't forget how to do it. You just gotta sort of switch your mind back onto the intensity of T20 cricket.
0: Yeah, awesome. Now, before we wrap up, what, what's your plans going forward? Are you sort of, you've got to get through this stress fracture? Are you still have ambitions to play for Australian Test cricket and you're still hoping to play red ball cricket? Or are you going to maybe try and limit the stress on your body and maybe focus more on white ball cricket?
1: No, I'm going to focus more on white ball cricket, but I'm still going to play red ball cricket, if that makes sense. I'm going to play as much white ball cricket as I can, and if I can get a red ball game in there, uh, I will, but... I won't be putting any uh, risk into getting injured or anything like that. So if I have any kind of hot spot in my back or any kind of niggle, I'll, I'll, I won't. I won't risk it.
0: Yeah, awesome. Now, just the last few questions. What, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Yeah, I've, I've already touched on it. It's from Jay, He probably won't even remember telling me, but it was just you know, you're never going to you're never going to make it if you don't switch on and get fit and you know actually actually put the work in. Um, I thought I could probably coast through until I realised. This, this game is actually quite hard. You can't do it if you're fat, overweight. You're not switched on to your bowling. You're going through the motions. You just can't do it. So, put put a, put an effort into every ball, every every weight session, every you know, conditioning session. You put the effort in, and you get the rewards.
0: Um, now, what's your definition of success?
1: My definition of success in cricket, I think, if you're having fun um, and you're enjoying the game, I think that's you're having success.
0: Awesome. That's a great great answer. And now, finally, why do you play cricket?
1: Why do I play cricket? Well, it's probably the only skill set I have in life, <laughs> so it's paying the bills. But I, I do genuinely, I genuinely enjoy it. I love I love playing great cricket. I love playing for WA because that's where I have the most fun. Um, playing for Australia is real serious. You know, I ha- you don't have a lot of fun playing for Australia. But um, when you play for WA, when I go back to Superflora with your mates, it's, it's actually genuinely some of the better times of your life especially sitting around after a game, having a beer. Like, I mean, they're, they're the best times in, in, in life, I think, and that's that's why I play.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a pretty common theme. Now, how can um, our followers, uh, our listeners, our community, how can people follow you? What sort of social media handles can they look at you?
1: Oh, uh, just Instagram, I think. It's pretty boring. Uh, There's not much there. I don't put much cricket stuff up, but uh, yeah, it's about right so risk. will
0: put a link to that. Cool, thanks very much <laughs> thanks for time. your time. Cheers, Appreciate mate. it.
1: Thanks, bud. there you have it
0: Legends, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Nathan Coulter-Nile has been an excellent bowler for Western Australia and had it not been for numerous injuries, he probably would have played a lot more for Australia. I loved how open and honest he was during the interview and how he shared how hard and lonely it can be when you're injured, something that many of our listeners will be able to relate to. What a brilliant story about how his now coach, former Australian legend Justin Langer, told him an honest truth that sparked him to get fit and sort his priorities out. If you enjoyed it or learnt something, then please remember to share it with your friends and on your social media pages. Remember to tag me at Skulls5 as I'd love to hear your thoughts. Make sure to share it and connect with Cults as well at at Cults C-O-U-L-T-S 13 on Instagram. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Cricket Mentoring. We're growing it quickly and have some great content on there, including the video of this interview. Thanks very much for joining me on this episode and being here from the very start. Love to you all, now go out and get it done legends!